What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Ministry Refuel podcast. My name is Kat Robbins. I have the honor of being your host, and here we are. It's episode two. I can hardly believe it. If you've ever launched something before, you know how grueling the first part of a release can be, and so I'm just so grateful to have it out in the world and it's, it's very surreal to go into Spotify or Apple and type in the name of this dream that I've had for a few months now and see it. Um, that's pretty crazy. Uh, and it's also pretty crazy to have had such a great um, response from it. And I want to thank everybody that uh, took the time to listen to the first episode. It was quite lengthy. And so I am so grateful that you took the time to listen. And not only that, but also just to offer kind words uh, and support. I deeply, deeply appreciate that. And that was super cool to look at the analytics of it and see uh, where people were listening from and how long they listened. I Man, it was, it was just such a cool experience to do that. And so I'm so excited to continue. So we're on episode two. We're keeping this thing going and I'm excited. Um, today's gonna be a little shorter than the last one. Everyone's grateful for that. I want to jump right in here and I want to talk about middle school. Oh gosh, this is a topic everybody wants to avoid, right? Um, Unless you had good middle school years, though I can't say I've met someone who confidently was like, middle school was the best. If that's you, like, please contact me because I just, that's that's such a... (laughs) foreign concept to me but middle school was tough but one of the biggest things that was tough for me about middle school was realizing that I was not athletic and I always wanted to be the athletic girl I don't know if anyone can relate to this but like if there's ever been a skill set that you've just desperately wanted and you were just incapable maybe you're listening and you wish you were a good singer and you listen to people sing all the time and you're like oh I wish I could sing well and you just ache for that that's that's how I am with sports and athletics and I'm sure we've all you know have something that we wish we were better at and I remember you know just being that kid you know where I'm going who you know when the time came for captains to pick teams I went and hid because I did not want to be picked last. That was my nightmare. Rejection terrifies me. Uh, I promise you I'm not going into a therapy session here. <laughs> You're welcome. But uh, there, there's just certain things that we have to accept that we're not good at. And for me, I have had to accept I'm just not good at sports. And people think that I'm exaggerating. Uh, for instance, the other night, one of my one of my students was like, hey, Kat, I want to show you how to throw a football. And I was like, I am not athletic. And he was like, come on, I'll just, I'll teach you. And so like, I'm catching, I'm throwing, I'm doing okay. And then he's like, all right, do a long throw. Like one of our other students was at the other end of this parking lot. And I went to throw it and just fumbled the bag real bad. And um, he fell on the ground laughing at me. So if that's any indicator of how I am as an athlete, now you all know you're welcome. But that's something I've had to just accept and realize you can't be good at everything. 
And as leaders, we also have to accept, hey, we can't be good at everything. And what's beautiful about that um, are the holes that we have within us um, make room for our teams to step up and say, hey, I am good at this. Um, Hey, you may not be good at organization and administration, but you might have someone on your team who's phenomenal at it. You may hate planning events, but you might have someone on your team who's excellent at it. And that's something that God has placed within them that brings them fulfillment. And just because you're not good at it, you know, you're trying to do it as a leader and it's failing, but you have someone on your team who is excellent at it. And uh, I could I could talk quite a bit about that. But um, there are some things that we may not be good at that we need to get good at, right? Um, I can accept that I am not so great at uh, sports, but I cannot be accepting of the fact that I am not great at maintaining a prayer life. Um, That would be something that's definitely something that needs to be focused on and improved upon. And I think the same remains for a Sabbath. I think all leaders need a Sabbath. You heard me, need. I try to avoid the word need, but this is something that I absolutely believe is a non-negotiable for a leader. In fact, I believe that more leaders would identify as healthy, as rested, as joyful, if they would take time to have a consistent Sabbath. A consistent Sabbath. It's incredibly important. You've heard it a lot in the church, but maybe you've never really practiced it. And so on this episode, I want to kind of talk about what a Sabbath is, why you need it, and just some practical ways to start planning a Sabbath so that you can start doing it for the first time or kind of get back on track of practicing the Sabbath on a consistent basis. So first of all, the basic, you know, dictionary.com, oh, excuse me, .org version of Sabbath is a day of religious observance and abstinence from work, from work. And other definitions say, and it includes a time of rest. It includes a time of rest. Now, the Jewish culture regularly practices Sabbath and holds to it hardcore. And I think that that is amazing. And I think we, many of the people that are listening, you live in America. And so perhaps uh, you have an American mindset. But I do understand that there are other listeners who may not be from America. And so maybe what I'm about to say may not be as much of a struggle for you. However, it doesn't negate the fact that healthy leaders need to implement a regular Sabbath. You know, there's a lot of other cultures that have prioritized taking a break. For instance, in Sweden, they have a break that they call fika. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it's a derivative of the their word for coffee. So in other words, they have a designated, just about mandatory coffee break. Now I say mandatory and we're thinking like with an iron fist. No, this is just a part of the day that this culture observes to just take a break. My husband actually works at a company where there's a Swedish girl that works there and her boss will say, hey, you going to have your coffee break? And she's like, yep, because it's just a part of her day. It's a part of her culture to just take that break and enjoy that part of her day to give her mind a rest. The Italians also have this thing called a resposo. 
I hope I said that correctly and, and made my Italian ancestors proud. But this is another break. You know, and Italy is known as one of the healthiest places in the world. Did you know that? One of the healthiest places in the world. And that's, I mean, the proof is in the pudding because like Italians are some of like the oldest people. Like grandma will be in the kitchen making fresh spaghetti and mozzarella and she's like 127 years old. Why? Because yes, they practice a Mediterranean diet, which is healthy and that's advisable. However, they also regularly find time to take breaks. And also in Spain, and other Spanish-speaking places, they also practice what's called a siesta, which I think is so cool because it rhymes with fiesta, which of course means party in Spanish. This is just a designated nap time for grown-ups. Like, this is incredible, y'all. Like, I just think it's so crazy to me that our country, the United States, where I live, where many of you that are listening live, we live in what a lot of people will call the United States of abundance. We have more than enough just sitting around. And yet we find ourselves working and working and working for more while other countries who perhaps have less find more in the fact that they rest their bodies and they take time to slow down and enjoy life. What could happen in your ministry if you began to prioritize a Sabbath on a regular basis. Now, many of you may be asking, how long does Sabbath need to be? I deeply recommend a 24-hour period of time. And you may hear that and roll your eyes and think, that's insane. I don't have 24 hours to give. And to that I say, I know, I'm with you. Because it's easy for me to fill up that time. But when I start to look at my Sabbath as something that I need in order to function in a healthy manner, I realize I don't have the ability to not afford to Sabbath. Again, I, I hate to bring up tithing again, but here we are talking about tithing. You know, my pastor has always talked about the fact that you don't spend all your money and then try to find room for tithe. The tithe is the first part. So the first part goes to God. And then we spend the rest or save. Right? And so it's the same concept with your Sabbath. Start. This sounds crazy. But look at your calendar this week and perhaps start with your Sabbath. Maybe your Sabbath is on Friday. Maybe it's on a Wednesday. I don't know when it is. But start with that day. And see what you can do in that day of rest, in that time of rest, and build the rest of your week around that Sabbath. And I could pretty much guarantee you that you will have the mental clarity and the spiritual drive to get the other things done. Why do I believe that? Because God honors that time. Because you are resting your body. In fact, you are also coming into alignment with his nature when you rest in multiple ways. Because, of course, we know the creation story. Isn't it wild that God rests like he had the first Sabbath day ever? He demonstrates to rest. 
And I mentioned the the Bayma podcast on my on my first episode, and I want to reiterate something that came from that. He t- he talks about Marty Solomon speaks on the episode and calls God El Shaddai, and oftentimes we look at that name of God El Shaddai as Lord Almighty, He's King, things that are giving God the honor that He deserves. But he said if you if you dig it up and you look up the true definition of El Shaddai in English, it would translate something to the effect of the God who knows when to say enough. And my question is, can we mirror our creator enough to say this is enough? Unfortunately, the problem is, is we've kind of wrapped up our identity in our work. And if we're not working, we feel like we're not doing. And if we're not doing, we're not enough. And isn't it funny that our creator, the one who made everything, who is perfect in every single way, made a decision to rest. Not because he needed it, but because he was demonstrating to us that I look at this creation and I say it's good. And I'm going to enjoy it. I don't know about you, but like I like to go on vacation and enjoy the beach or enjoy the mountains wherever I'm going. That's rest, enjoying. So maybe you could simply just enjoy what you've created. Maybe you can enjoy the family that God's blessed you with. Maybe you can enjoy some of the funds that you've made from your work. Maybe maybe you can enjoy time doing things that you love. Maybe you can enjoy the presence of God without being rushed. I know for me, I, I get uncomfortable when I talk about the Sabbath because I'm not good at it. As I said earlier in the episode, it's something that I deeply struggle with. It is like middle school me playing literally anything athletic. Uh, kickball comes to mind. I'm awful at it. But again, you can't be good at everything. But um, I, I think about what a struggle it is for me. And it is an identity issue. I do look at it as I love to work hard because it makes me look good. And if I'm not working, I'm perceived as lazy. When in reality, you're not lazy, you're obedient. Because this was a command that was made to us. And I think it's so interesting because the Old Testament hits Sabbath so hard. And there are pieces of of Sabbath all in the New Testament as well. But uh, something that I love in the Old Testament where it talks about Sabbath is Moses, you know, he's with the people, right? He's, he's with these people and he has these tablets that have these commandments from God written to them. And, you know, the Israelites, they were, they were kind of like us, honestly. They were a little hard of hearing. They were a little forgetful. They would hear instructions and, you know, hear that they needed to be faithful to God and not worship any other gods and create any other idols and uh and they would go and do it a few minutes later and uh I can't imagine how frustrating that would be and then I think oh that's kind of like me um but so Moses kind of reiterates quite often what God has commanded the people and I wanted to read in Deuteronomy chapter number five verses 12 through 15 he's going through these lists of commandments and kind of breaking it down for them and this is this is what this says observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, or any animals, nor any foreigner residing in the town, a.k.a. everybody is included, no one is excluded, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And I love that because again, sorry, my Atlanta came out there, but no one was excluded from this. No one, no one is exempt from this concept of rest. And I love that the end of that passage reminds them, hey, you were once slaves, but because of God's grace, you're now free. And in the same way, we were once slaves to sin, but if we're following Christ and we have a relationship with Christ, we've been set free. Therefore, our paradigm shifts. Therefore, our mentality has to shift. And so this mentality of I have to work to earn the approval and love of man and God goes away. And part of Sabbath in my mind is kind of like kind of like taking a bath. It's just taking a bath and just realigning your heart and your will, your mind and your emotions with God. Lord, remind me what it is you want for me again. If you're a minister or leader, you probably spend all week long praying for other people. This person's sick. This person's mentally not doing well. This event's coming up. There's so many things to pray for. I don't know about you, but my prayer list seems to get longer and longer every day. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I have a God I can I can pray to. But at the same time, there's something about my Sabbath where I get to just be with God. And it kind of reminds me of me and my husband, Dylan, um, on, on Tuesday nights, we kind of have like our, our work meeting. This is where we like talk about bills and talk about things we got to take care of during the week. And sometimes if we have a calendar event that we've got to talk through and figure out logistics, like we'll sit down over tacos because it's Taco Tuesday. That, that's, that's a part of our regimen. Um, but we'll do that and we'll talk about stuff like that. And I love getting on the same page with him. But I would not enjoy if that was the only thing I ever talked to him about. I mean, there there are so many times where I just sit down and laugh with my husband, Dylan, and we talk about silly things and we talk about the Lord and we talk about so many other things other than work stuff. We both work really hard during the week and we have to have those times where we just get to enjoy each other's company. And that's really what Sabbath is as well, is taking that time to just enjoy the company of God. If this is a time where you're able to slow down, which the Sabbath should be that, this is not a rush. You get to go into the prayer closet. You can turn on your favorite worship music. You don't even necessarily have to say anything, maybe. It might just be quiet moments before the Lord, and He's just loving on you and speaking to you and You're just reminded like, oh yeah, I'm in a relationship with God. I'm not just talking at him all week long, but he refills me. Man, I'm reminded of the 23 Psalm. It's been coming up so much this week, but 
He, le- he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me into paths of righteousness for his namesake. Our shepherd is good and he's not just a, a, a prayer answerer. He's not just a healer. He's not just a deliverer. But God is your father and he wants relationship with you and Sabbath makes that happen. That's one of those beautiful moments where you get to just be with the Lord. And what's interesting too is I have a great leader in my life who prioritizes Sabbath probably better than just about anybody I know. And he does take a regular 24-hour Sabbath every week. And if he has to miss for an event or something of that nature, he'll make up for it. And I love that about him. But he also talks about finding finding Sabbath during the day. And I, I have a TikToker. Um, I'm actually off TikTok now. I'm, I, I don't know. I may never get back on because it's brought me so much peace. But this TikToker I really liked, um, she's just really rich. Um, that's not why I like her, but she does these really creative videos and displays her family. But she has this thing called pockets of peace. And I really like that terminology. And I've tried to implement that into my day pockets of peace. Where can I find those pockets of peace? Maybe I'm driving in the car and I turn on just a, a song that brings me a lot of peace. Or or maybe at night I, I watch something that just brings me joy. It doesn't tear me down and I can just let my mind not worry and be filled with anxiety or have a conversation with a friend who gives me life. And this reminds me, of course, of something that many people might have heard, but it's the daily office right? And office comes lightly from this Latin word opus, which translates to work. But um, this wasn't work in the sense that we think, because there were a lot of monks that utilized this term opus, daily opus, which talked about the work of God, the work of God, letting God work. And really what the, the daily office is, is these, these moments of prayer throughout the day. This daily regimen of moments of prayer throughout the day. And I just think this is such a beautiful concept. And I, I don't think it has to be this super rigid, super super structured thing. But I, I've just found myself throughout the day, man, where can I just take a breath and spend five minutes and just talk to my father? And I have found since I've done that, and I know life is busy and I know things get crazy, but I've found since I've done that, man, it makes me want to work in a greater way for the Lord, not to impress my leader, not to uh, make myself look good, but just to honor God. And I want to land the plane here because I don't want these episodes to get too long, but I want to land the plane by talking about a book that if you have not read it, I deeply encourage you to read it. Uh, But odds are you probably have read it or have, have at least heard of it. But it's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and it's by Peter Shazero. I hope I said his last name right. Um, I know he's Italian, so we're probably lightly related somehow, some way. Um, but he he does a chapter on Sabbath in the daily office, and he breaks Sabbath down into just like four simple uh, points. And I think this is a great way um, to plan out how you want to do your Sabbath. And point one is stop. You have to stop. Find a 24-hour period of time that you're just going to stop and say, I'm choosing to rest today. 
because I need this. My family needs me to need this. I have a great friend of mine who has a really practical but interesting way of doing this. She schedules her meeting in her calendar as a meeting with herself. And the reason why I love this is because if you had a meeting with somebody really important and somebody else came along and was like, hey, you want to just go chill and go get Starbucks? You probably wouldn't break that important meeting just to go shoot the breeze for no reason. In the same way, if you make your Sabbath a meeting with yourself, a meeting with God, a meeting with what is most important to you, you will prioritize it and not break it for another outstanding engagement that pops up in the middle of nowhere. This is an opportunity for you to see yourself, your relationship with God, your well-being and leadership and ministry, and saying, yes. This is going to be challenging at first because I promise you that there are probably going to be things that are going to come up. They're going to be vying for your attention to take you away from your Sabbath. But let me tell you, this has to be something you stop the presses for, you stop everything for, to prioritize yourself and your rest. Rest is so incredibly important. I cannot stress that enough. And I'm better when I implement this. But I cannot Sabbath if I'm still running. Hear me. You are not properly Sabbathing. I don't know if it's a verb, but we're going to make it one. You are not properly taking a Sabbath if you are actively worrying about something. Because you're not consciously resting. So take that time and figure out whatever it is you have to do. I read a book uh, about a year ago called To Hell with the Hustle by Jefferson Bethk. I hope I said his last name correctly. But he and his wife are really passionate about Sabbath. And they have a drawer in their home where they put their phone in the drawer for the entire day. And basically their closest people know, man, don't bother them on whatever day it is that their Sabbath falls on because... They're not going to answer the phone and they've just made that a non-negotiable in their life and they're all the better for it. They said their marriage is better for it. They love their kids better because of it. And it's all because of this conscious decision to stop and rest and let your mind be 100% with the Lord, with your family and uh, within that place of rest. Number two, like I was saying, rest. Again, if your mind is not consciously uh just focusing on enjoying and resting. And it sounds weird, but you kind of have to focus on resting. I know that sounds weird because normally people are like, oh, just relax. But if you're like me, you have to focus on, I need, I need to rest. And eventually you'll get to the point where you'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm finally coming to a place where I'm resting, where I'm enjoying and I want to just briefly share um, a story of, of why I think it's so challenging for me to rest. You know, I was in a ministry program um, right after I graduated high school. God rocked my world and called me into this ministry program. And I went from doing whatever the heck I wanted during my senior year of high school to being an incredibly disciplined uh, ministry school program. I wouldn't change it. Uh, well, there are things that I would change for certain, uh, but I wouldn't change the fact that I did it. It increased my work ethic and my passion for God, uh, taught me a lot of what I know as a minister today, and I'm grateful for it. Um, but there are certainly some patterns that I've had to unlearn over the last couple of years, 
And this is just one of them because one of the things that was deeply um, encouraged for us was work as much as you can because you need to work hard because you need to get things done. And I'll never forget as an 18 year old kid, I was still just getting into the mode of ministry. And there was this one particular project that myself and a couple of my colleagues were working on. I say colleagues, we were all like 18 year old kids. But anyway, we were working on this project for youth and we stayed overnight at the church working on it. Oh my God like we felt like we were such bad kids and uh we were working on it so hard and not sleeping and and all of these things were taking place and it was really taking a toll on me and um I was about to have a breakdown and I went and told my mom and she's like let me take you out of town for a couple of days let's go out of town for the weekend and I was like okay cool and literally on the way there this like tiny bug gets in the car I have this meltdown and I realize something is not okay in my mind and so I turn my phone off completely not even like do not disturb that didn't even exist back then but I turned my phone off and took the next two days and I really I didn't really realize it at the time because Sabbath was if I'm being honest was kind of a foreign concept for me I knew it was something that the Bible talked about but I didn't practice it Maybe you're in a similar boat, um, but I was taking a Sabbath, whether I realized it or not. Um, and I remember coming back into town. This is a much longer story, but I'm I'm trying to make it shorter for your listening ears. But I came back into town, and I remember one of my leaders was so incredibly harsh with me, and honestly yelled at me um, and told me that I am never allowed to turn my phone off. How dare I turn my phone off because what if a leader needed me to jump in and do something? And while there might have been some ounces of truth within that, um, I strongly disagree. I think you have to have moments where you turn your phone off. Now, do you need to communicate those things to some important people? Perhaps. Um, but for me, I needed that. My mind needed that. My body needed that. And for the good of myself as a minister of the gospel, I needed that. And so um, I'm grateful that I took that time to do that for myself. Even in the midst of, of learning how to do it correctly, I needed that rest. And so if I could go back to my younger self in ministry school, I would tell her, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to turn your phone off. And I say that to the same person who's listening to this podcast right now. It's okay to turn your phone off sometimes. It's okay to sit down and, and watch a TV show and enjoy it. You don't have to feel guilty all the time. What I love about the Jewish people is that when they Sabbath, their Sabbath begins Friday night at sundown. And what I love about that is what's the first thing you do at sundown? You go to sleep. And what do you do when you're sleeping? Nothing. You're not doing anything. And I love that because it is this mirror image of not just physical rest, but it's also coming out of a place of I'm enough without doing a thing. That God is the God who knows when to say enough is enough. And I don't have to do anything to be considered enough. And so if you're looking at Sabbath from uh, an identity standpoint like I do sometimes, now is your time to practice and realize that God sees you as enough whether you're working or not. And in fact, he's happy when you rest. It brings him joy when you rest because he's able to pour into you and, and make you better in that time that you take that Sabbath. The third point is delight. What? When's the last time you did something and you just delighted in it? You just enjoyed it? Maybe you like being in nature. I hate bugs, but 
there something about a hike just sounds nice to me or or maybe you have a favorite restaurant you like to eat at i remember one of my old um patterns that i used to do in my sabbath was i would go to jersey mike's and i would get my same favorite sub every single week and that sounds so simple but it brought me delight because i enjoyed it and i knew i'm doing this for me and it makes me happy and it's simple and it's it's not a huge cost but it's something that i do for me to delight in and enjoy um so i'm just suggesting to you find find that time in your sabbath to delight and the last one is to contemplate what did you learn from this day what did you gain from this day it might just be i feel joy i feel a little bit more rested than i did yesterday the Jewish people, one of the things they commonly say is Shabbat Shalom, which loosely translates to peaceful rest. And I don't know about you, but I definitely need more peaceful rest in my life. That's so incredibly important, and it's so incredibly important for you as well. So I deeply want to encourage you, take this time to rest. You will be a greater minister if you do this. You are not lazy if you take a Sabbath you're not wrong if you take a Sabbath. Sabbath is going to make you better. It's going to make you stronger. And it's going to allow you to be in a more clear headspace. God is your father who desires relationship with you and wants you to walk in peace. And Sabbath is one of those things that will help you to achieve that. One of the greatest first steps that you can take right now is to open up your calendar. And like I said, start with the Sabbath. Don't try to squeeze it in because if you try to squeeze it in, you will not have time for it. But if you start with that and make that the priority and build everything else alongside of that, you'll find that even though it might be a stretch at first, it will be something that you will yearn for. That if your Sabbath is on Friday, by Thursday, you're going to be like, I can't wait for tomorrow. I'm so looking forward to Friday. And I, and I believe that for you. And I believe your ministry will be so much better. I believe your leadership will be so much better if Sabbath becomes a priority. You are incredible. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope that Sabbath is something that starts getting hit on your calendar once a week. And I think that that is going to take you to the next level. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait uh, for next week's episode. We have our first guest who will be joining us. I can't wait for it once again. And as always, thank you for listening to the Ministry Refuel podcast.